Hello again, and welcome to Snow Country Stories Japan. My name is Peter Carnell, a freelance writer and guide based in Nagano, Japan. And Snow Country Stories is a podcast all about life and travel in Japan's legendary Yukiguni. This is episode 8 of the podcast. And to date, each of the previous seven episodes have featured interviews with people living in Nagano, the prefecture in which I am based. In upcoming episodes, I'll start to branch out to other regions as I interview people living and working all over the snow country of Japan. And for that reason, I felt it's worth dedicating an episode to define what and where the snow country is, why I value it and why I think you should visit, what I do here, and finally, how to get to the snow country. This should make things easier as episodes start to explore different localities across the broader snow country region. I also feel it's the right time to give a little more information about myself, why I started the podcast, and my services as a guide and writer. I don't interview anyone in this podcast, making it shorter than usual. So basically, you're stuck with me, but I hope you still find it entertaining. The episode is divided into five sections firstly, what and where the snow country is. Followed by why I value it and why you should visit, who I am and what I do here, how to get to the snow country, and then finally a brief section to conclude the episode with the usual sign offs. Make sure to refer to the show notes for time markers if you want to jump to a specific part of the episode. And now it's time to buckle down. You're stuck with me for the next 25 minutes or so. I hope you enjoy. The term snow country, or in Japanese, yukiguni, the kanji literally mean snow plus country, is used in Japan to refer to areas of heavy snowfall. It has multiple uses, from the purely poetic, eliciting romantic visions of quaint villages buried in powder white snow, to an administrative and economic categorization, which determines budgets and allocation of subsidies to areas that are affected by heavy snow to such a degree. That it affects daily life and industry. A more technical way of referring to these regions is Gosetsu Chitai, heavy snow regions. But that is a term without the romanticism of the word yukiguni. So, for the purpose of this podcast, I use yukiguni to correlate with snow country. Japan is divided into an administrative system of 47 prefectures. For those who aren't familiar, each prefecture is made up of smaller municipalities. Answerable to the prefectural government based in the capital city of each prefecture. For example, I currently live in Nagano, the fourth largest prefecture in Japan, the capital city of which is Nagano City. The system came into effect early in the Meiji period. The Meiji period was 1868 to 1912, replacing the traditional domains that had once answered to the Tokugawa shogunate. Today, prefectural governments are responsible for all manner of things. And collect taxes, but are ultimately answerable to Japan's federal government, from which they also receive various forms of funding. Now, that's the dull part over for this episode. Of Japan's 47 prefectures, the entirety of 10 prefectures are classified as snow country, those being from south to north Shimane, Fukui, Ishikawa, Toyama, Niigata, Yamagata, Akita, Aomori. Iwate, and Hokkaido. All of those prefectures have coastline on the Sea of Japan, with the exception of Iwate, which sits near the top of the main island of Honshu and on the Pacific coast, while also noting that the northern island of Hokkaido sits by itself and has coastline on the Sea of Japan and the North Pacific coast. 
As said, the entirety of those 10 prefectures are classified as snow country. If you look at the map of Japan, as included on the episode page of the Snow Country Stories website, and focus on the main island of Honshu, place your finger on its north coast, just west of the centre, and then run your finger up that northern spine all the way to the top. Those are basically the main regions defined as snow country in Japan. In addition, Some areas of many other prefectures are also deemed as snow country, although the entirety of those prefectures is not. This includes areas of prefectures such as Nagano, where I am based, Gifu, Gunma, Tojiki, Fukushima, Miyagi, along with areas of Totori, Hiroshima, Okayama, Hyogo, Kyoto and other prefectures. In total, just over 50% of the Japanese landmass can be categorized as snow country, a remarkable fact. Here's another that you might not be aware of. Japan ranks among the world's heaviest snowfall countries, with specific areas said to receive the heaviest snowfall of any permanently inhabited parts of the world, if not anywhere in the world full stop. Claims like this will always be debated, so let's just say that many areas of Japan receive heavy snow, and among those, there are areas in which the snow is so heavy that it has to be seen to be believed. To understand just why Japan receives so much snow, we need to talk a little bit about the weather. Japan's winter weather can bring snow any time from November to May, with the northern regions of Hokkaido and Tohoku typically receiving snow earlier and for longer periods than the more central and southerly areas. The winter weather originates in China and Russia, in Siberia actually, of all places, and blows a cold monsoon from the northwest. Due to high pressure in the west and low pressure in the east, cold air is then sent toward Japan. The air moves over the Sea of Japan and a warm water current called the Tsushima Current. The contact of the cold air and the warm current create vapor, which forms clouds, carried to Japan on the monsoon winds. As the clouds move over the north coast of Japan, they are quickly pushed up by mountains, and that moisture turns to snow. A lot of snow that is then dumped on four mountain ranges that run near the north coast. Those include the Chugoku Mountains in Shimane, Totori, Okayama, Hyogo and Yamaguchi prefectures, the Hida Mountains or North Alps, Japan's highest mountain range in Nagano, Toyama and Gifu, the Echigo Mountains in Niigata, Fukushima and Guma, and the Ou Mountains which overlap multiple prefectures including Aomori, Akita, Fukushima, Iwate, Miyagi and Yamagata. Snow is in no way limited to these mountain ranges or prefectures, however it's in these areas you're likely to experience the heaviest snow in Japan. While all those names might sound confusing, it's actually quite simple. Japan's weather blows in from the northwest, picking up moisture over the Sea of Japan before hitting the mountains and dumping it. The nearer the mountains are to the northern coast, the more snow they are likely to receive. As my guest Rich Morgan stated in episode 2, it's one big snow making machine. Echoing the explanation Mark of Matalao Mountain Lodge provided in episode 1. I don't like to get too hung up on the numbers as they vary a lot from season to season and will endlessly be discussed and debated. But in terms of average snowfall, Yamagata receives an average of around 6.5 metres or 20 feet across the entire prefecture, followed by Niigata 5.8 metres, 19 feet, Akita 5.3 metres or 17 feet, Fukushima 4.7 metres, 15 feet, and Nagano 4.2 metres, or 13 feet. Those are averages across each of those prefectures, remembering that some areas within them can receive well over 10 metres or 30 feet of snow, or even well beyond 15 metres, 50 feet. 
As noted earlier, in its broadest usage, snow country accounts for just over 50% of the Japanese landmass, but is home to only 15% of its population. That should come as no surprise, as the snow country is known to be beautiful, but a hard place to live, and even with the advent of modern infrastructure and machinery. Prior to the introduction of such things in the 20th century, the towns and villages of the snow country were often isolated for the long cold winter months, forcing them to be self-reliant and produce methods of living among the snow, along with distinct local industries and curious traditions, such as the ones we touched upon in episode 3 of the podcast. There are many examples of unique local cultures across the snow country, and one such place can be found in Niigata, in areas including Yuzawa, Tokomachi, Matsunoyama and Sunan. For many Japanese, this area is the true Yukiguni, or at least the one that springs to mind when they hear that expression, thanks to the book of the same name published by Kawabata Yasunari, one of Japan's most celebrated writers and awarded a Nobel Prize in Literature in 1968. Published as a serialization between 1935 and 1937, Yukiguni, or Snow Country, is Kawabata's most famous book and tells the story of a love affair between a Tokyo man and a provincial geisha, said to be set in the hot spring town of Yuzawa, which to this day remains a popular onsen destination and boasts multiple ski resorts. The novel opens with the famous lines, The train came out of the long tunnel into the snow country. The earth lay white under the night sky. The book and this introduction has firmly entrenched Yuzawa and this area of Niigata in the national consciousness as the true snow country. Indeed, it's an experience I've had myself when travelling from Tokyo to Yuzawa, and the Shinkansen enters a long tunnel, prior to which the landscape was devoid of or had very little snow, and when it re-emerged in Yuzawa, the world was literally buried beneath it. There was something magical about that experience, and the snow in general, which at its heaviest elicits a feeling of awe and wonder. As adults, and especially in this modern world that is often forced upon us, I think we forget the human need for a sense of magic, of awe, and of wonder in our daily lives. There is something elemental in the experience of snow. Yuzawa is, of course, just one area of the overall snow country, a region that I hope to promote and to touch upon the elemental characteristics of through the stories shared on this podcast. I think it's fair to say that for most international visitors, the snow country of Japan is best known for its many ski resorts. It is regularly cited that Japan boasts more than 500 ski resorts, a number intended to lure visitors, but with no other real value. Obviously, those ski resorts are located in the snow country, with the prefectures of Nagano, Hokkaido and Niigata boasting the most ski fields. Don't think too much about the reported 500 plus ski resorts. It's just a number and in truth most of those resorts are small and might only have a handful of ski runs serviced by a couple of aging ski lifts. The word resort is often used quite loosely. In my reckoning, Japan has between 40 to 50 resorts, some big, some small, that provide good reasons to visit. In Hokkaido, the resorts of Niseko, Usutsu, Kiroro, Furano and Tomomu stand out, while in Nagano the resorts of Hakaba Valley, Nozawa Onsen, Madurao and Shigakogen are the most popular. Niigata boasts the resorts of Yuzawa, including Naiba, Kagura and a personal favourite of mine, Muikimachi Hakaisan, along with the resorts of Miyoko Kogen. Outside of those prefectures, the resorts of Aizu in Fukushima, 
Zao Onsen in Yamagata and Apikogen in Iwate are also gaining a uh, growing following, and of course there are plenty of others. The resorts, and skiing and snowboarding in general, will feature regularly on this podcast. Indeed, in episode 1, an orographic chat with Mark of Madalo Mountain Lodge, we focused on Madalo Mountain Resort in Nagano, while in episode 6, Shigakogen Brewery, the artistry of barrel-aged beers, which touched upon Japan's largest ski resort, Shigakogen. It is these resorts that have brought Japan's snow country to the attention of international visitors who tend to fall in love with that big snow and regard it as a winter-only destination. I noticed for many, if not most, international visitors, this is where their contact and understanding of the snow country starts and stops. As a winter destination, where you can enjoy some of the world's best powder and get a great bowl of ramen, and then go home and maybe come again next winter. While it's certainly true about the powder and ramen, to my mind, the true value of the snow country is so much more. Japan's snow country is a broad grouping that constitutes many prefectures, localities, and cities. It is a place in which over many centuries, the snow both made demands of the people that lived amongst it, while also presenting opportunities. And through that interaction, distinct traditions, industries, and folklore have developed. As mentioned, the snow country accounts for around 50% of the Japanese landmass and is home to 15% of the population. In contrast, the cities of Tokyo, Yokohama, Nagoya, Kyoto, and Osaka, and the areas between those cities all sit outside the snow country, yet account for 80% of the Japanese population and the majority of international tourism, with most international visitors never leaving those cities, and when they do... It's generally only for day visits or overnight trips into regional Japan. I want to help change that. I believe that all countries like to project a national image to the world, conveyed through one or two key cities. These are typically large cosmopolitan cities of economic, historic and cultural power that embody the way a country would like the rest of the world to see it, rather than perhaps the way it truly is. I'm Australian, and in the case of my country, Sydney and Melbourne play that role. Think about your country and which cities occupy that space. While all countries do this, ask yourself, are those cities truly representative of their countries as a whole? In the case of Sydney and Melbourne, I would confidently say no. As great as they are, Sydney and Melbourne aren't the true Australia. Just like London isn't reflective of England in its entirety, or New York of the United States. In the case of Japan, it is my belief that Tokyo and Kyoto play those roles but do not reflect the true nature of Japan, and only by leaving those places to venture into the regional areas will you discover the national heartland and just what the country is all about. One such place is the snow country. Best known for its winters, the snow country is in truth a place of four seasons and home to most of Japan's highest mountains, many of its most celebrated national parks, abundant farmlands nourished by that snowmelt, more livable cities, historic towns and quaint villages, famous hot springs, ancient roads, temples and shrines, distinct traditions, industries and folklore all shaped by the deep snow of winter. A place of beauty, it often takes real effort to live here. Indeed, some people might think we are crazy to want to do so. But with the challenge comes a real sense of community as people have to work together to live and thrive among the snow. This is why I value the snow country and this is why I think you should visit. And this brings me to the serious point motivating me to host this podcast. The truth is that over many years now, the snow country has not been valued and many people have chosen to leave. 
Japan faces the challenge of a rapidly aging and declining population, a problem most pronounced in regional areas, including the snow country, a region that has seen younger generations move away seeking opportunities in major cities such as Tokyo, Nagoya, and Osaka. As such, snow country is now also synonymous with old men and old women. Fading villages, shuttered businesses, and abandoned homes. Something you might not be aware of if your only contact with the snow country is the popular ski resorts of Nagano and Hokkaido. Beautiful but often challenging, these are landscapes that take real effort to live in, and ultimately, for those communities to survive, the old must be replaced by the young. Recent years have seen an increasing number of people return to or relocate to the snow country, seeking a more balanced lives in connection to the remarkable landscapes. And breathing new life into the region. In episode four of the podcast, I spoke with Morai Shota about the millions of abandoned or empty homes across Japan and the opportunities they present to find a home in the snow country. A conversation that connected to episode two of the podcast, in which I chatted to Rich Morgan about the rebirth of a previously empty Kominka, traditional farmhouse, into his now home. Both episodes highlighted the opportunities that exist to find a home in the snow country and be part of a community. Rather than challenges and hardship, I believe that life in the snow country offers a more balanced, communal, and healthier existence, as reflected in the stories of the podcast. I believe that it is the overconvenience of the modern world that detaches many people from their environment, and the so called inconvenience of living in environments that present challenges, such as heavy snow, is actually a positive, as it engages people with their surroundings and connects us to each other. It maintains communities that need to work together to succeed. At a time when the world is facing economic challenges, a volatile geopolitical landscape, a changing climate, and witnessing the beginnings of perhaps unprecedented technological changes that look likely to lead to widespread social upheaval, we need to prioritize doing just that, forging human connections and building communities. The snow country is a place to feel grounded, where time moves a little slower and community re- remains a fundamental part of life. It's a place where you can find space, breathe a little easier, and through the passing of the seasons, the grandeur of the mountains, and the challenge of the snow, remember that we as people are just one small part of something much larger. That for me is the true value of the snow country. I now call the snow country my home, but how did I get here? Originally from Australia, From a young age, I was fascinated by other cultures. Growing up in Australia through the 80s, at a time when there were only four TV stations, no internet, no low cost airlines, the rest of the world felt a very long way away. I was all too well aware of this, and upon finishing school, I immediately headed abroad to see the places I had long dreamed of and on a path that eventually led me to study a Bachelor of Archaeology in the United Kingdom. I've been lucky enough to travel widely and see many of the countries I had been captivated by from a young age. In terms of cultures that capture my interest most easily, the older the better, and when such cultures are found in places of extremes, deserts, jungles, mountains, or snow, then I'm hooked. As I age, I'm increasingly drawn to these landscapes and the cultures they shape. I first travelled to the snow country of Japan in 2010. Arriving in Niigata in spring, I heard stories of the snow that would bury the region come winter. Tales of entombed houses and snow walled roads seemed fantastic in the heat 
and humidity of spring and summer, and I simply didn't believe them. After all, people are prone to exaggeration. But then it came, and life was smothered and slowed. Snow piled up against the window of my home, and I sat there in my living room with legs under the hot table, drinking beer and reading. I read about Jomon Man and the Stone Age culture that endured the same winters more than 15,000 years ago. People who speak to us today through the fire rim pottery and the earthen where dogu they have left us. On weekends, I snowboarded, drank yet more beer and discovered sake. After all, Niigata is Japan's largest producer of sake, so you kind of have to do that. I relished the challenge of living here through winter and loved all the trimmings of life in the snow country. Needless to say, I was hooked and I wanted to stay. I completed a Master of Cultural Heritage and Museum Studies in 2017, since which time I have been working as a writer and guide in Japan. Based in Nagano with my family, I consider the snow country my home and I want to promote it to the world. I am a freelance writer and independent guide. For anyone who is interested in my services as a writer, please refer to the website www.snowcountrystories.com for more information about my services and previous work, while those interested in my services as a guide can also refer to the website. I've been guiding in Japan for more than six years, mostly in and around Nagano Prefecture along with the surrounding prefectures of central Japan. The website lists my current tours. I design tours that provide my guests with an engaging experience that is fun, well-paced, and with the flexibility to suit your needs, interests, and itinerary. As a foreigner myself, I have a good understanding of what international visitors want from their experience in Japan and the knowledge base they typically bring with them, and my tours are designed to match that. All tours are also designed to suit the taste of international visitors while providing a different perspective, a more compelling story, and in the end, a more complete understanding of Japan. After all, I think much of what is said about Japan is tired, repetitious, and in the end, not that accurate. I'd like to tell a different story. That's what my tours are all about. If you're interested in a tour listed on the website or would like to discuss me designing a completely customized tour for you, including destinations and activities not listed on the website, please don't hesitate to get in touch and let's get planning together. Through this podcast, I also intend to promote other guides. In episode 5, The High Life with Moto the Mountain Guide, I spoke with Hayashi Motohiro, otherwise known as Moto the Mountain Guide, about his life in and love for Japan's mountains and his work as a professional mountain guide. While in episode 7, Life After the Quake, Guiding, Cycling and the Essence of Japan, I spoke with Kevin Kato about our shared love of guiding and the extended tours he leads, including cycling tours around Japan. There's a real sense of community among the guides, and I hope that my chats with other guides will continue to pop up regularly as a way of supporting them. Finally, it's worth quickly answering the question, how do I get to the snow country? The short answer is, it depends on which area of the snow country you want to get to. Now let's dive into the longer answer, or more accurately, long answers, and let's do so by assuming you're starting from Tokyo. Most international visitors move around Japan using the Shinkansen, or bullet train system, of which there are seven main lines and several regional lines. Three of those main lines and a couple of those regional lines offer you your easiest route into the snow country. The Hokuriku Shinkansen runs northwest from Tokyo to the northern terminus of Kanazawa in Ishikawa Prefecture, a region of the snow country, and includes multiple stops, including Nagano, where I am based. As such, this line provides access to the ski resorts of Nagano, 
the ski resorts of Myokokogan, the mountains of the North Alps, including Kamikochi and the Tatayama Kurobe Alpine Route, multiple national parks, and the famed coastal catchments on seafood of Toyama, another snow country region. The Joetsu Shinkansen runs basically directly north from Tokyo to Niigata and Niigata City, another region of the snow country. En route, it passes through Yuzawa, which we mentioned earlier in today's episode, for many considered the true snow country or yukikuni of Japan. The Tohoku Shinkansen runs northeast from Tokyo towards Aomori and through prefectures including Fukushima, Yamagata, Iwate and Akita, all parts of the snow country. Running off the main line, the regional Yamagata and Akita lines run from Sendai and Morioka stations respectively, while the Hokkaido Shinkansen runs from Shin Aomori station to Japan's most northern island. Journey times and prices vary greatly depending on your start and end points, and should you plan to use the Shinkansen a number of times during your visit, especially over long distances, make sure to check out the Japan Rail Pass and the range of regional passes on offer as they provide significant discounts and overall convenience. In addition to Shinkansen services, regional rail lines including Limited and Rapid Express services cross the snow country, typically originating from Shinkansen stations. Express bus services make use of Japan's fantastic road system to also run it all over the snow country, while regional airports are dotted throughout, including New Chitose Airport in Hokkaido, probably the easiest way to access Japan's most northern island given its distance from Tokyo and other major destinations in Japan. But as said, most international visitors choose to use the Shinkansen system to get around. Make sure to check out the episode page on the website as I'll include relevant links, including the Japan Rail Pass page and other regional passes that are worth considering. I hope to see you here in the snow country very soon. That's it for today's episode. As always, thank you to everyone who is listening and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please remember to subscribe to, rate, review and share the podcast as it really is a huge help in getting the podcast apps to notice it and promote the show to others. The website is snowcountrystories.com and you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by searching for Snow Country Stories Japan. I'd love to keep getting your feedback, so please feel free to get in touch and share your thoughts, including if you have any requests or suggestions for future episodes or fancy being a guest on the show yourself. Following today's episode, I'll start to branch out more into other regions of the snow country away from Nagano, although no doubt returning often, as we continue to explore everything the snow country has to offer. Playing out today's episode, as I have done for each episode to date, is Isna Gongen Daiko, a Taiko group based in Isna Nagano, as profiled in episode 3. If you haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, make sure to go back and listen as I chat with Komatsu Haruna, the composer of this piece and a key member of the Taiko group. My name is Peter Carnell, and this has been Snow Country Stories Japan. I'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks when I'll bring you another interview. This time it won't just be me. Until then, it's bye for now.